attending Bible studies weekly here at Cornerstone has just allowed me to grow in my faith and um, just be surrounded by other sisters in Christ. And just being able to share that with women and to share that with uh, people who are non-judgmental and just took me for who I am. It was through worship at Cornerstone that I learned about the love of Christ and it was through worship at Cornerstone that I learned how to love as a Christian. I am seeing real life examples of my small group growing and I know that you can also grow by joining a small group. The reason I serve the way I do and the, um, the amount I do is because I believe that you will become what you surround yourself by and, and surrounding myself by Cornerstone is, is, has made a difference in my life. We're able to grow as a group, casual, come as you are. Our family serves in different ministries all around the church, all working together as a family with one common goal, to help other people hear the Lord knocking. Hey, uh, we've been talking together about uh, growing up, about maturity uh, in the church, in our lives, and, and what would that take? What would that mean differently for each of us? And what we've said to each other is, is that when you look at people who have started this journey of maturity, who've figured this thing out, that there's three things they have in common, three things you can boil this whole conversation down to, and that is they've figured out worship, which we said together is putting God in his right place, that they have figured out and become committed to the idea of growing. It's not something they do passively. It's something they've decided to do actively uh, within their lives. So worship, grow, and then serve. They take the gifts that God has given them. They use them for the kingdom, not just on their own devices. And you remember this last week as we, we were talking, we basically said to each other that worship is any time I put God in first place, which means coming to church is worship because what I do in that moment is I simply said look of all the things I could do of all the options I've got being with you is more important God than all the options so I will choose on the first day of the week that the first thing I do is come meet with you that's why walking through those doors being in this room today is worship we said that worship isn't necessarily singing but the wonder of singing is, is that you and I take and put to words what our heart believes. We declare who we are and what it is that we hold to be true. So it's not about the notes, it's about the saying of what we believe within our lives. So we all committed and said, look, I get it. Worship is croaking through the songs. It's okay because it's worship. It's saying to God, this is who you are, this is what I believe about you. We said worship can be what I do with my finances. God, you're more important than anything I could buy. That's why it's worship. So what we've asked us to consider is, what would it mean at the end of this series, because we're coming to a point of decision, to worship God better than we ever have before? What would it mean to take one step in this area of worship? And for some of us, it's going to be a habit that we've had, that we've had an ongoing conversation. And the reality of the conversation is, God, I know you don't like that habit. I know that's something I shouldn't do. But if I was honest, I love that habit more than I care about obeying you. And what would it mean to truly worship God in the area of my habits? What would that look like? What would, I, what would be different if I gave God right place? We said, some of us, it's a relationship. And we said, I, I know, I know this isn't a relationship, that we're not, but what would it mean to have God have first place in the area of my relationship? So as we get to the end, and we, we're just asking you to consider, what does it mean for you? What would that question be? What would that, uh, God, I'm taking this walk with you to a, the next level. I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna make one significant decision in this area of worship that's gonna change worship. You're gonna know I'm serious because I've done this. And what would it mean to do that for 30 days? What would that 
be for you and me. So today we're diving into this topic of growth, being committed to the idea of growing. And here's my hope, that when you walk out of here today, because I, I, I get this is not a new topic. I get that we've already discussed this. And, and some of us have looked and said, pass. I, there are some of us in the room who say, Lynn, you don't, you don't understand. Me just showing up on Sunday is a big commitment. It, it, if you knew who I was just a short couple months ago, if, if, you, if you knew what my background, you would know that just even being here, hearing you today, is a big commitment to growth. Here's what we're, we're going to say to each other today. You and I cannot get far enough, fast enough, from the purple chairs. That, that if this is all that you do to grow, if this is your commitment to growth, it's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. And these conversations that you and I have together are vital. But you cannot get far enough, fast enough, if this is your commitment, if this is it toward growth. A couple years ago, I was, uh, I was at a nephew of my nephew's t-ball game. And, uh, you know, you do that thing, you do as an uncle, you, you, you go and you root and you yell. It was interesting, and while I was there, uh, one of the little boys on my uh, nephew's team, uh, it was his turn to bat. Where'd my ball go? I lost my ball. Someone is a ball thief. Is there a, is, huh? There's a chair back there with a ball on it. Oh! You never can trust those keyboardists, man. They are always grabby little boogers. All right. So anyways, I'm at my nephew's uh, ball game. Little kid's getting up there to do the whole t-ball thing. And as he gets up, uh, he starts aiming. Okay? It's t-ball. He's aiming. So he's, he's... I'm going, dude, it's T-ball. <laughs> Two minutes. <laughs> the ball's not going anywhere. You're aiming in T-ball. So finally, finally, you saw it in his eyes. He rears back, takes the swing, whiff. <laughs> you aimed for two minutes. Now he's, you can see the red in his face. He's humiliated. The moms and the dads are trying to cheer him on, which only reinforces, because you're a klutz. You know, so, so now he goes back to aiming again. And here, you can just tell, the thought in his mind was, if two minutes wasn't enough. So now, four minutes. I mean, I don't, it, it felt like eternity. This little guy sitting there, and he's, And finally, he rears back, swings, hits the pole, hits the rubber, doesn't even touch the ball on the deal. No, that was good right there. Leave my ball alone. <laughs> Did I ask you for the ball? I'm, I'm making a point here, and you're messing me up. Golly. So anyways, the ball dribbles forward about three feet. The kid who was standing back there, he's been waiting four minutes for the kid to swing. He's asleep. 
the pitcher is astounded that any sort of contact is made, and you realize the pitcher just stands there anyway. I mean, it's T-ball. So there's this pause where everyone's kind of looking. Finally, the catcher begins to run toward the ball. The pitcher runs toward the ball. The little boy is running with all of his heart toward first base. When the catcher and the pitcher get together, they collide. And after kind of a wrestling match on the ground, one of them finally gets the ball, throws it toward first base, too late. You should have seen the expression on the little boy who'd been batting. <laughs> I own this place. I am the T-ball king. Now, being the truth teller that I am, there was part of me that wanted to go up to that little boy in between innings and just say, son, if you're struggling with T-ball, get ready, because fast pitch is coming. And if four minutes of aiming doesn't get you there, wait till the ball's moving. I tell you that, because there are moments. There are moments as a pastor that you watch as baby Christians, as immature Christians, face issues in life that you go, guys, 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 this is T-ball. And you watch them take an inordinate amount of time to line up. You, 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 watch, them, you watch them have to do unbelievable amounts of concentration only to swing the bat and hit the pole. And in that moment, you want to say, look, look, I get, I, if you're a baby, I mean, if you just figured out who Jesus was a couple months ago, I get it, I get it, I get it. You're supposed to be playing t-ball. That's, that's, that's what brand new Christians, that's what immaturity, that's what infants do. But it becomes a totally different conversation when they can go, you've been a believer for a year or two now. And, and, and we're still playing t-ball together. And the problem is this. Life is fast pitch. That, that if you stay there, if we stay, you realize this, this is going to get terrifying. This is going to get scary. We're never going to make it to base. Because life is fast pitch. The difference between an immature believer and again, I just want to say out loud, if, if you're a brand new Christian, you have every right to be immature. You just don't want to stay there too long. Who we're mostly talking to today is those of us who say, I, I know, I know by now. And the difference between an immature believer and a mature believer is the difference between that little boy playing t-ball and Mark McGuire standing at the plate in a big league stadium, saying under his breath to the pitcher, please, please, please throw me a 90-mile-an-hour fastball because that'll be my opportunity to take it out of the park. Immature believer, mature believer. And the answer, you and I can't get there from here. 
We can't get there fast enough. We can't go far enough if the only commitment that you and I have together for growth happens in these purple chairs. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of John. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and then work to the left, you're going to find this book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth of what we call the Gospels. John chapter 10. We read this passage a couple months ago when we were doing the whole series on Satan. But here it is, John chapter 10, verse 10, here's what it says. The thief, talking about Satan... The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. You get that that's the plan. The enemy is there to do that in our lives. Jesus says, though, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, get the moment. Get the moment. Jesus is saying, look, look, I came to give you life. I came to change eternity for you. See, I'm going to go to a cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to be the same. I came to do that. But what you need to get is that's not all I came to do. I didn't come simply to save you from your sins. I came to give you life at an amazing level. That, that if you will follow my words, if you will obey my actions, if you'll do what I did, if you'll live the way I live, your life will be remarkably full. Things that scare other people, things that confuse other people, things that cause others, you will, you will navigate, your life will be so profoundly different. I have come that you may have life to the fullest. Now this is interesting for us, and guys, if, if you and I can get this next bit of the conversation, this changes the conversation. You get that spirituality is not one of the boxes of life. Let me say that again. Spirituality, reading our Bibles, learning about it, it is not one of the boxes of life. Spirituality, what we had, this conversation that you and I have every Sunday, learning God's Word, this is life. This is, this is the answers we're all looking for. This is the conversation that we all need to have. This, this fixes what's broken. This is life. See, what we do is we, we compartmentalize and we go, okay, okay, I've got my spiritual box, and we think of spirituality as like kind of a first aid box. When one of my other boxes break, then I'll just rub a little Jesus on. It's not a separate box. And then we go, okay, so here's my business box. How many times have you heard a Christian say, hey, business is business? No, it's not. Business is where I simply happen to be employed as I follow Jesus. And some of us are going to have to decide, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. Am I a businessman who just happens to be a Christian? Or am I a Christian who just happens to be a businessman? Different answers. There is no business box. Some of us go, no, 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 this is my entertainment box. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, it doesn't. That's life. And, and if Jesus isn't, if, if that box isn't under the control, under, if Jesus isn't in the entertainment box, someone's going, no, no, this is my family box. This is what I do when I get home. It's not a separate box. It's all life 
and there are the answers. And when you and I figure that, all of a sudden you guys go, whoa, 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 whoa. Then I cannot possibly be ignorant of this. If it's all life and these are the answers, I better know the answers. Every Christmas, my dad, when the kids are all over, uh, gives us some cash. It's actually usually a pretty good little chunk of cash. But because my dad is devious, uh, he finds a different method every year to torture us. And so what he does is he finds some sort of a contraption, some sort of a puzzle, some sort of a box to put the cash in that absolutely torments you as you try to. One year he gave us this like Japanese oriental box, had all these panels, and you had to slide this one and slide, and you couldn't even see them because they were all integrated in the design, and you couldn't even tell there was a panel. It took us five minutes to even though you slide this. This was this year. I don't know if you can see it or not. It's a clear box. And uh, in the clear box are all these slots. There's a maze. And the maze is on all six sides. And the crazy part is, is that because it's clear, when you first look at it and you start to look through, you're see, you see the maze on there. For a while there, we thought the whole inside was a maze. And tucked in there was the cash. So my dad, with absolute glee, uh, he bought these things seven months ahead of time, <laughs> handed us the boxes on Christmas. Whether accidentally or whatever it was, I happened to get done with my box before the other siblings. So as we're sitting there and, and, and doing the box, uh, my sister is sitting on the couch and begins to yell out loud, I don't even get the point. I mean, what, what, are, what are you supposed to do? I don't understand what the goal is. What do you do? And for five minutes, I, I, I'm just, I don't even know where I'm going. What, you know, what do I do? Finally, because I had done the box, I turned to my sister and said, well, Sharla, there's a, there's a door, and the door has a latch. And if you look really, really, really close, there's a clear slot that slides and you've got to get that ball bearing that's moving around the maze into the slot. And once you do, you can slide it across, it unlatches the door. The problem is if you get it to the wrong side, it doesn't work. You're at the wrong end, of the, you have to go all the way around the puzzle. But if you get it on the left side, you slide it across, and it works. My dad was mad at me uh, <laughs> for sharing part of the answer. You get that that moment is very much like church. That part of what we do in this environment together is, is that those of us who've already done it before, those who are a little further along, maybe a little more mature in their walk, have the opportunity to say to us who are trying to figure out the maze, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. If you can get the ball bearing to that little slot, the box opens. And that the wonder of this community, the wonder of doing life together is, is that those who've already done what you and I are trying to do get the opportunity to speak some wisdom and some truth in our lives, and you and I don't spend hours and hours, months and months, years and years trying to figure out how to get the ball bearing to the right place. And you and I leverage the maturity of other mature believers to change our lives. It's the wonder of the church. Probably why Scripture says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't do it. It's just not a wise thing. 
how much better, how much better to have the one who designed the box tell you how to get through the box? I mean, what if, what if, what if the designer said, hey, I, I know you've been talking to people who've done the box and gotten through, but very few people even who do the box and get through understand I actually put a pattern in the box that all you have to do every time is turn the ball bearing right, turn it right, turn it left, turn it right, turn it right, turn it left. And if you'll do that through the, you'll go right. Matter of fact, you can do in 30 seconds what even people who have done the box before and still take some 10 minutes to do, you can do in 30 seconds, right, right, left, right, right, left. Because I designed the box and I know the pattern. I am come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. You get the one who designed the box, the one who designed life, is offering to tell you the pattern, to tell you and I how to get through the box in 30 seconds, how to do this way, way, way simpler. And here's the answer. The pattern, some of the things, some of the answers to getting through the maze, you and I would have never come up with that answer on our own. We would have never figured that out if someone hadn't told us. It's the 17-year-old who's pretty darn sure she's in love with the guy she's dating, and they're going to get married. And let me tell you what she would have never, 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 never come up with on her own if God hadn't said it. Wait till you're married to have sex. That just doesn't make sense. I mean, we love each other. Are you kidding? I mean... Everybody else. That's stupid. It's the businessman who goes in business and God says, whoa, 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 whoa. When you get into a partnership, be very, very, very careful that you don't get unequally yoked. That, that it's, that's not just whether or not that partner is a believer or not a believer. That's about where is their Christian life. Are they a baby Christian and you're a stronger Christian and so they're not going to make good, wise decisions and now you're going to partner your future together? And you and I go, well, no, 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 wait a minute. They've got the money. I've got the know-how. I'm going to influence them. See, I, I know. I know they cut a few corners and they don't, you know, they're not there spiritually yet. But I, that's why I'm, this is my chance to leverage my influence. You and I would never have come up with that answer. Do not be in the Clio. It's when that friend betrays. When that person knew, knew they were stabbing us in the back. And God says, forgive those who have hurt you the most. Forgive your enemies. See, you, you and I, that... That would have never been a pattern. You and I would have never gone there. We'd have kept twisting this, but we would have never thought of that one. And because we haven't, see, some of our little girls have kept dating the boy, and then there was a baby on the way. Suddenly there were all sorts of decisions that would have never even been decisions if we had listened. And now all of a sudden, this thing is off track so far. And now there's guilt. There's repair. Right, right, left. Right, right, left. 
right, right, left. See, it's the guy who goes into the business partnership anyways because, no, 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 I'm smarter than the designer. And now all of a sudden he's leveraged the position that he has the money. And now all of a sudden you're enslaved to the partner and it's not much of a partnership anymore. All the power has shifted. And now you lay awake and, awake and sleepless nights and you're trying to figure out, man, I, I, we, we may be bellying up. Right, right, left. Right, right, left. Right, right, left. And it never would have occurred to you and me. It was the designer's design. It's the gal who goes off and marries the guy who doesn't know her Jesus. She was going to win him. And now she has had a lifetime of frustration and disappointment and arguments. Man, this, this thing is so far down a dead end. If only she had listened. Right, right, left. Right, right, left. See the answer? Guys, guys, guys. The guy who designed life offers to tell you and me the pattern. And when you and I get that, you and I will feel differently about maturity and we'll feel differently about scripture and you'll feel differently about growing up. Because the answer is, this is life. See, here's the thing. People who figure this out, people who get this done, people who become committed to growing, those people live life at a remarkable level. They, their life, their life is just at a totally different place than your life and mine, who haven't committed to maturity. Grab your Bibles one more time and go with me to the book of Psalms. Psalms is going to be somewhere toward the middle of your Bible. Psalms chapter 1. If you just stick your finger right in the middle, good chance you're going to find this book of Psalms. If you find the book of Job, uh, you can stay there for a little while. Um, Proverbs is too far past it, comes back to the left, right in the middle. Psalms chapter 1, here's what it says about those who get serious about growing up. Here we go. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful, for his, you ready? Next word, delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You get, you get that's different than obligation. See, this isn't, this isn't somebody who says, all right, all right, I'm going to church because my wife made me. All right, I'll, I'll do daily devotions because Pastor Lynn said, if I don't do daily devotions, I'm a lousy Christian, so okay. All right, I'll, I'll go to small groups. I, this isn't obli In his law, he delights. Why? Because he or she has figured out that this is the answers to life. Right, right, left. Right, right, left. Years ago, I headed off to Bible college, and I got to Bible college, and in my arrogance and uh, in, in my self-pride, I walked into my classes, and I said, I already know all this. I, I grew up in a great youth group. My youth pastor would take me out for hours and hours and hours 
sit down and have coffee with me, explain scripture to me. I got in there. It all looked very elementary and pedantic to me. I just said, I get, I don't, mm. but the thing was, I wanted the piece of paper to give you at the end. So I said, all right, I guess I'm obligated to sit through the classes. So for four years, actually a little longer than four years, <clears throat> but for a, a period of time, feeling obligated to go through the motions. A anybody want to guess what my GPA was at graduation time? Let's, let's just say, by the skin of my teeth. Let's just say that, that the uh, provost there sat there and went, okay, we'll let you walk. Ten years later, I'd been in ministry a while. I'd gotten the holy behoobers kicked out of me a couple times, which is Christian for... And uh, now I said, you know what, I think maybe I'm going to go plant a church. I think maybe it would be a good idea to get a little more under my belt. So now I head off to seminary to do my master's degree. But boy, I went with a whole, I went, I, I got stuff to learn. And it, despite the fact that in seminary the books were thicker, the reports were larger, the classes were longer, graduated magna cum laude. Because I knew I needed it. It was a different motivation. People who understand that this is life delight in the Word of God. They delight in it. Give me more. Give me more. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. You get the scripture saying that when you start growing up, when you get, it's like a tree stuck next to, it is remarkably fast growing, it is remarkably strong, and it is remarkably fruitful. Matter of fact, astoundingly so in comparison to the rest of the trees. You get that you and I have got living examples of that right here in the midst of our congregation. We've, we've told the stories together. You remember just a couple of months ago, we were talking about Brian and Danielle Axtell. They're, they're an article in this uh, month's Luke magazine. And you remember that we told you, here's a couple in their 20s who get the report that their baby, their first baby in the womb is having problems. Finally, the report comes back that the baby's died in the womb that Danielle's going to have to deliver an already dead baby. And in the midst of that, 20-year-olds stood remarkably well. We, we told you how we went to the hospital to encourage them, and we walked out of there, they'd encouraged us. How do 20-year-olds do that? Like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I guarantee you, in Ryan's life and Danielle's life, they have drunk in the Word of God. When they had to face that, they already had answers in their lives. Right, right, left. Right, right, left. We, we took, we've been following the McRae's, 30-year-old couple who've been told that their little daughter has brain cancer. 
And despite the fact that as the doctors have worked with them and as they've gone through and done surgery and all sorts of chemo, that they have had bad report after bad report after bad report. And in the midst of that, they have stood rock solid in their faith. How do 30-year-olds do that? It bringeth forth its fruit in its season. And you find in the, the McRae life a commitment to what God teaches, a maturity that is uncommon for 30-year-olds. Right, right, left, right, right, left. You get that the immature don't have that same answer. You get that, that for the immature, for those who decide to be infants, and guys, this is why, look, look, I, I, I got to say, if you're brand new to faith, you're supposed to be playing t-ball. It's the rest of us I'm talking to today, because for those of us who just said, no, 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 I'm sticking with t-ball. None of that fast pitch. Fast pitch is coming, guys. And, and if you're still playing a t-ball, you realize that's, it's terrifying, because babies babies can't navigate what teenagers can do they can't navigate what young adults can do they can't navigate what the mature do and the very same thing that adults navigate every single day with no problem could actually have huge consequences for a baby give me an example josh is 18 months old lisa and i are living uh, in a house in south phoenix I don't know if you guys remember, they were patio homes, and, uh, which simply meant uh, you didn't pull in on the front of your house. There was like a, the alley was paved, uh, and so it became like a drive. And then you pull in in the back of your house, and uh, uh, then they just stacked them in there. And so here we are at 48th Street and Southern. The front of our house happens to be on Southern Avenue. So you walk out our front door, <laughs> cars going by. Josh is 18 months old. We went out and got ourselves a dog kind of an Australian shepherd something or other, who knows who its parents were, dog. And uh, we brought it home. It was there for us for a couple weeks. We put a doggy door in the door, teach him go in and out, all that good stuff. One morning, Lisa and I are painting in the house. And as we're painting, all of a sudden, it gets too quiet. Mom, Dad, you know that moment, okay? Uh, as bad as noisy is, quiet is worse. And all of a sudden, Lisa and I are looking at each other going, I haven't heard the dog, I haven't heard Josh. And so we start running through the house looking around, no Josh, no dog. And all of a sudden, Lisa says, well, what about the doggy door? I mean, do you think there's any chance that Josh would have gone out the doggy door? So now we run into the backyard looking for Josh, looking for the, no dog, no Josh. We're going, how could, they, what, what, it, it's, what, there gotta be somewhere. And then we look and see in the fence, we had a wooden grape steak fence and there's a hole. And what we realized was the dog had gone, had made a hole in our fence, had broken some grates out, some posts out, and the dog had gone through, and Josh had gone through. So now we're running up and down the alley, screaming, Josh, Josh. Lisa's running the other way down the alley, screaming, I've lost my baby, I've lost my baby. <laughs> now I'm thinking, you don't have to tell everyone you just say, you know, we get to the ends of the alley, we come back uh, to the middle, and uh, I say, Lisa, look, I'm going to hop in the car, I'm going to go drive, you keep, you keep looking. So I drive to the end of the alley, I take a left heading towards southern. 
And lo and behold, right there on the corner, my 18-month son holding on to the collar of the dog on the corner of Southern. A man had been driving down Southern, seeing the sight, and said to himself, hmm, <laughs> had pulled over, thankfully, and stopped with my son. In the meantime, he had waved down a policeman. <laughs> so now I go over and go, yeah, I'm, I'm the dad. They were very hesitant to give my son back to me. Because you get, you get, you get. Something as simple as crossing the street. When you're an infant, and that can mean death. No wonder, no wonder, no wonder, Scripture says, grow up, grow up, grow up, because then you will no longer be babies tossed to and fro by everything that happens in your life. I'm happy to report that Josh is 23 now. <laughs> and he is able to cross streets by himself. Is it possible? Is it possible in this room that some of the things that have blown us up, some of the things that have just derailed our life, some of the things that have got us sideways with God have less to do with how big it was, how unfair it was, how wrong it was, and have more to do with the fact that you and I are still playing t-ball spiritually, that you and I are still way, way too young spiritually, and we haven't figured out how to cross the street yet. And by now, by now, crossing streets ought to be pretty simple. So here's what I'm just going to ask today, and you can toss me the ball. <laughs> Thank you. Where are you at? Where are you and I at? T-ball? T-ball? And look, 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 if you've only been a believer for a couple months, T-ball's okay. You want to hear a really cool thing? If you've only been a believer a couple months, and if you got serious about spirituality, you realize you could blow past a whole bunch of people in the room? Because the reality is the minute you get serious... Man, change happens remarkably quick. You could be ahead of a bunch of people if you got serious. But there's some of us in the room that have to say, Lynn, I've, man, I've been a Christian for a couple years. I, I know. <laughs> T-ball. Some, some of us in the room, it's slow pitch. So I'm just going to ask, is that where you should be? I mean, if, if it is, okay. But if you're still playing so, slow pitch... And deep down in your heart, you know, man, I, I ought to at least be in junior leagues by now. Some of us are playing with, you know, the 10-year-old throwing. And so I'm just going to ask, where are you at? If you were going to be honest and reflect and say, this is where I am and where I should be, how you doing? Are you committed to grow? Because, because, you ready? You and I will not get far enough fast enough in the purple chairs. So whether it means small groups, whether it means small churches, whether it means coming to the mine, getting involved in a men's group, getting involved in a women, I don't care. But are you committed to grow? Let's bow our heads. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we, we simply come before you and we're just going to be honest to say We've been playing t-ball far too long.
We've, we've been passive about growing. We've been showing up for the game, but man, we haven't been practicing. We haven't been committed to maturity. And, and we're just, it's going to change. It's going to change. We, we, we want to be the believer who's standing at the plate, looking the major league pitcher in the eye and saying, please, please, please throw me a 90-mile-an-hour fastball because I'll knock it out of the park for Jesus. I was born to play at this level. Remarkably strong, remarkably fruitful. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.